Coast. It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, and you are listening to the sweetest sounds, the sultry tones, the boisterous boys, the Joint Practices Podcast. Get it, fellas. To the Joint Practices Podcast, episode 77. It's playoff football time, baby. Welcome to the podcast for fans, by fans like me. I'm your host, Sean Lamont, on Twitter, at 11thegoat. And I am joined tonight by the soupiest, stickiest, salad finger motherfucker you ever met, Mr. Super Sticky Steve Knox. That's me. What's up, soup? Oh, not too much. Just, uh... Ready to talk some playoffs? Yeah. It's 2020. Hindsight. We're in that year, finally. (laughs) That's what they were talking about. Isn't it crazy to think that we are equally distant right now from 1990 and 2050, the year that we're supposed to retire? So we're right in the middle of our life right now, sort of. Because 30 years ago, we were starting kindergarten. <laughs> and 30 years from now, we'll be retiring. With a little luck, maybe tonight will be the night we retire. Come on, Powerball! I'm pretty sure it was Darius Rucker who said, Oh, no, that was a little love. <laughs> With a little love <laughs> and some tenderness. But close <laughs> enough. Anyway. Talking about Hootie and the motherfucking Blowfish. You're talking about playoffs? We are talking about playoffs because guess what, baby? Not one, not two, but all three JPP teams are in the dance. Baby! Baby. We got a- I'll say baby a lot tonight. <laughs> baby. We have a 50% chance. Baby! With the teams remaining in the NFC that we'll be talking about one of our teams in the Super Bowl this year. That's pretty crazy. Coming from... I like them odds. Three guys just with, you know, random NFC teams they happen to like. All make the playoffs and uh, now this is where the real fun starts. Hey, everybody is zero and zero. Nobody has a win-loss record now. There are 12 teams just starting their season. This is the week that matters. It doesn't matter how you got there. You're in. It's kind of like the college basketball tournament. All you got to do is make the dance. Well, guess what? The Vikings, the Packers, the Eagles are in the dance. And we are going to preview all four wildcard playoff games tonight. But before we get into that, for some of our teams, and by some I mean my team, the Philadelphia Eagles... Week 17 mattered. Sure, the Packers had to win to get their bye, and they did it in the most dramatic fashion they could think of. By the way, they beat the Lions twice this year by a combined three points, or what was it, four points. The Packers this year led for zero seconds in the games against the Lions. They literally had no lead the entire game until... Time expired when they kicked the game-winning field goal in both games. That tells you right there how division football uh, can really change how you play and how a team plays against you. Because obviously the Lions have had a very rough season, 
but for them to be able to contend with the you know the division champs and a team that has a first round bye in the playoffs you have nothing to play for week 17 and you still go out there and give them a hell of an effort uh that's pretty crazy we'll get to the packers when we go over this whole playoff picture here in a little bit but i just wanted to say sure they got the bye they are the two seed steven is not here tonight he is sick in bed he probably has his finger in his belly button, but he's not here to back himself up, back his team up, baby. But speaking of backing up, I feel like the Packers backed into the playoffs. They have not played well over the last few weeks. They needed the last minute minute heroics again against a division opponent, the Lions. Record be damned. We always say on this podcast, division games are rough. No matter the records, you get up for them. I don't know. I think the Packers... Yeah. And they're going to have a week off to kind of sit on it. So I wouldn't be surprised if whoever the Packers play, if they don't come out sluggish. That should be a big fear for Packers fans. Yeah, it's the one thing they have going for them is that whoever they are going to play needs to go to Lambeau. So I've seen it all over Twitter all week long is the question, like, how did this team finish 13-3 and this year? And I saw Steven commented on one of them. Well, they won 13 of the 16 games they played. Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Soup. Yes, sir. I was going to um, bring up the Bears defeating the third-string Vikings, but I don't know how much of that game <laughs> you can take out of as they were actually trying or they were just like, you know what? You, 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 and you are important. You're not even touching the field. Sit down. Yeah, I mean, the only interesting thing I saw really in the game was Mike Boone decided to run for 140 yards against a pretty good Bears defense. So that was an interesting thing. Other takeaways, I hope Kirk Cousins doesn't get hurt in this playoff game because Sean Mannion sucks. Uh, For a guy that's been in the league for as long as he has, that was just dreadful to watch and Though, I mean, the two interceptions that he threw basically are the reason that the Bears are able to, you know, kick a field goal with 10 seconds remaining to win the game in the first place. But kudos to the Bears. Like you said, their starters beat, you know, our second and third stringers. So it's always next year, Bears fans. It's time for me to let loose a little bit here because week 17, as I said before, was super important to the Philadelphia Eagles. A win and you're in. Win this game, you win the NFC East, you are in the playoffs, you are hosting a home playoff game. Baby! I knew it was going to be tough, even though it's the Giants. Again, divisional game, divisional opponents. I know there was a lot of scoreboard watching because everybody's worried about Dallas. If Dallas wins and we lose, the Cowboys are in. Did you really think the Philadelphia Eagles were going to let the Cowboys in the playoffs? (sighs) Nah! Because who... Carson Wentz, that's who. This guy came to play with a college football quarterback as his number one receiver and a five, six, six round running back as his first string running back. That's Boston Scott, who had three touchdowns in this game. Boston Scott is as tall as I am. <laughs> Did you see uh, his tweet? Yeah, one of those big runs there. We made a couple guys miss and then had like a, like a spin move that looked a little wonky and he tweeted after the game sorry about the spin move wi-fi made the game lag yeah <laughs> i was dying when i read that i died too i, I saw the the move in real time and i was just like 
I don't know if he just did that to maintain this balance or what, but it looked kind of weird. And if it he looked didn't in do slow it, I motion. think he would. Yeah, I think he would have scored a touchdown if he didn't do it. Yeah, my exact thoughts. I was like, oh, that spin move just cost you the touchdown. But don't worry, he poked it in. Look, poke, poke, poke. Ladies and gentlemen, the Philadelphia Eagles are the kings of the NFC East. Least, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. Division winners, second time in three years. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Peterson took the Philadelphia Eagles without Alshon, Nelson Aguilar, Sean Jackson, everybody who's ever played on the defense. He just he lost his right tackle in this game. We lose our right guard. Miles Sanders goes down. It doesn't matter. Doug does it again. Third time in four years he's taken this team to the playoffs. If Doug Peterson isn't in the conversation for coach of the year after this, it's a travesty. He should be in the conversation. I don't care who actually wins it, but Doug better be, you know, one of the top three or four. You ever uh, follow Warren Sharp? He's the analytics guy. He's really no. good at picking games and stuff. He tweeted out this stat, and he said Carson Wentz is the first quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards without one single wide receiver hitting 500 yards. Oh, wide receiver, yeah. But it's Zach Ertz at like 900, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's a crazy stat. I did see something along the lines of Wentz completed a pass to like 16 different guys this year. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think they have 12 or 13 guys that spent time on the practice squad on the current active roster. That's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of the active roster, did you see who the Eagles signed? Because they had I to put... Um, I think I did, but I don't Elijah remember Elijah Holyfield? Yep. Evander Holyfield's kid? That's Gonna go crazy. play next to Rocky? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, though. First of all, Carson is the first Eagle to ever throw... 4,000 yards. He is now the franchise leader in yards. He is uh, got the fourth most completions in the league this year. He set the franchise record there, too. He's completed 388 passes. He's fifth most in the league with 27 touchdowns, and his 4,039 yards are ninth in the league. That's not bad for a guy who, they said, can't come from behind in the fourth quarter, can't be clutch, can't make his receivers better. Can't stay healthy for a full season. Check, 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 check. Oh, what's the last box here? Can't take the team to the playoffs? Fuck out of here. Carson Wentz put the Eagles on his back. He led this team to a victory in the most unlikely circumstances. He reigns supreme. And anybody who's still talking Nick Foles over Carson Wentz, you can fucking get out too. There's a gift bag on the way out. <laughs> I think I brought this up uh, when Nick Foles signed with Jacksonville, and I said Jacksonville just made an awful error paying him all that money because he had a very magical season taking over for Carson when they won Super Bowl 52. But given everything that he did up until that point, it just seemed like he was that kind of average sort of quarterback. And a guy that can manage the game for you. But, you know, I mean, there was a reason that the Eagles drafted Carson, you know, second overall the year that they did. And I think that the front office has done a very good job, you know, assessing uh, talent in the draft. I think it's one of the things the Eagles uh, do best. So they didn't, I mean, 
you get a couple of injuries that make the pick look suspicious, you know, suspect at best. But I think, you know, what, what Carson has done with this team and the injuries that they've had, um, you know, speaks volumes to the type of player he is because at any point you could have just given up and cashed it in and been like, you know, we'll try to get him next year, but continue to fight and scrap and, you know, lead this offense and make these guys believe that, Hey, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to win this game. And so, Hey, nine and seven gets the division, gets you in the playoffs. And now you got a chance to, to make another run. They have a chance. I'll just say that because we get to the previews here in a few minutes. I think the Eagles got the lucky end of the stick as far as who's coming into Philadelphia. Before we move on, I just want to give a shout out because we, you know, me, me and you, we were working today. We got things to do. We can't be on Twitter all day. I just happened to see the Philadelphia Eagles have re-signed wide receiver Shelton Gibson off the Browns practice squad. By the way, did you know after week 17, you can still poach practice squad guys from teams that aren't active? I did not. I didn't. (laughs) No. So they bring back Shelton Gibson, who is a deep threat. That's what he, I mean, that's what he was on the Super Bowl team. I don't even know if he played in the Super Bowl or had a catch, but he was on the roster. That's what he does. He's got speed. You know, he has trouble getting separation, but I just have this sneaky suspicion that they're going to come this weekend with a like a full-blown Doug, you didn't see this coming type of game plan. Right, yeah. And I mean, that's it. it is going to be a big part of that is the game plan and Doug getting this offense moving in a direction that attacks the weaknesses of uh, Seattle's defense. Um, Boom! Because really, the big question right now for the Eagles is, you know, given all the injuries and everything, it's, is this a team with guys like Boston Scott and Josh Perkins and Deontay Burnett and Greg Ward and Robert Davis? Like, is that the type of personnel you think can win a playoff game? You're asking me specifically? Yeah, because it's just like a, I mean, it's so much inexperience and you're leaning on Boston Scott, who up until a couple weeks ago was just, you know, he was a practice squad guy. And when he had the opportunities, it was just, he looked like, all right, they're trying to make him Darren Sproles and he didn't look like he could be Darren Sproles. And then suddenly something clicked and he's been, you know, money uh, the last couple of times that he's been called upon because of injury, um, you know, and then all these other guys that are basically practice squad guys with limited reps. And so, um, I think that right there is kind of the the question that looms over them is, well, is this a roster that can contend with, you know, the Russell Wilson-led Seahawks, even though, you know, offenses don't play against each other. But We'll get right into it then. We'll start here on this game because I do think there is a path for the Eagles to beat Seattle. I do see a scenario that they could get by with the victory. And it starts <clears throat> on defense in the secondary because even if they play 25% better than they did the first time these two teams met, they did hold Seattle to 17 points. I believe it was 17 to 9. And that was Carson's worst game of the year. It had to have been his worst game of the year. It was ugly. The offense just was not together. You could you could just see there was no cohesion with the unit. They're 
hurt on both sides of the ball, especially secondary on defense, if the secondary can just clamp down, kind of like what they did against the Giants. They gave up 17. They gave up the big one, you know, one big play. If they can do that against Seattle, I think they're going to win this game comfortably because Carson has these young guys believing in themselves, in him, in what they're doing. These guys that aren't supposed to make superstar, super athletic plays are making them everywhere. Carson has given them confidence, which gave them, you know, built their confidence up inside themselves. I think this is going to be a dangerous team if, you know, they can get clicking. We are going to be without Ertz probably, who, you know, had the broken rib, but it's also being reported he has a lacerated kidney. Does not sound fun at all. No. But he's going through walkthrough, so I don't know if that's just like a decoy so the other team has to prepare for him type of thing, but he ain't playing with a lacerated kidney. Probably not. I don't think the doctors would clear him with that, but... I hope they don't. Uh, uh, yeah, it says he hasn't been cleared as of today, but was doing walkthroughs. Yeah, because you were talking about the game they played previous this year was also in Philadelphia. Um, but Zach Ertz gives the Seahawks fits, and, you know, he's that type of guy that you kind of have to pick and choose who's going to be the guy who covers him because... Um, does Seattle want to take Bobby Wagner, you know, out of, you know, the play basically, if it goes, you know, in a different direction, um, cause that's usually the guy that would be covering him, but you know, he, he had 12 receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown and was basically, you know, the spark in the Eagles offense in that game. Um, but again, you know, you mentioned them, you, the, the Eagles holding Seattle to just 17 points in that game. And if not for a blown coverage on what was his Malik Turner, was that his name? Had the like 30 yard catch or whatever, where he wide yeah, open in a blown coverage. And then the Rashad Penny uh, run. Like if, you know, you don't have those two lapses in defense, it's you held the, the Seahawks to three points. So you know, there there is that potential there. Seattle and, is a stubborn team. They have Russell Wilson, but for some reason, they want to run the ball. and Run, 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 run. And that was fine when they had Chris Carson, CJ Procise, and Rashard Penny. But all three of those guys are now on IR. They've re-signed Beast Mode and re-signed Robert Turbin like it's 2011 again. And they have this uh, young guy, Travis Homer from... My yeah, University he, of Miami. He had the, the fake pun against the Vikings. Butthole. Oh, okay. If Seattle wants to commit to the run like they have been all year, that plays right into the Eagles' favor. I mean, against the Giants, Saqu you know, Saquon's going to Saquon. He had the one long run. Other than that, he had nothing. Before the long run, he had 10 rushes for 11 yards. He wasn't doing anything. He broke the big one, so it makes it look a little different. But this Eagles team stops the run. They are very, very good against the run. So is Seattle just going to waste downs trying to run the football, get into third and mediums, third and longs? Hey, third and medium, third and long, pretty good chance you convert on the Eagles is what it feels like. <laughs> but no, I did hear today the Eagles' defense, third down defense forces an incompletion like 50% of the time, and that's second in the league. <laughs> First of all, who tracks this? Second of all, okay, yeah. 
my eyes are telling me something different. I feel like this team sucks on the back end sometimes, most of the time. It's so stressful to watch the Eagles defense. But Russell Wilson can make things happen. I can see the Eagles winning this game comfortably because, you know, somebody on the defense makes a play, like against the Giants, where, you know, the late fumble recovery. Malcolm Jenkins forced the fumble. Fletcher Cox picked it up. And by the way, I thought Fletcher Cox scored. I don't see him touched at all. They just randomly <laughs> called him down. Anyways, if you can get one or two short fields like that, I think the Eagles can score just enough 20, 24 points that Seattle can't get up there. Or I can see Seattle blowing them out. Like like you said, you know, Seattle's stubborn with the wanting to, you know, establish the run, but it's just a way of them, you know, trying to keep the defense honest, you know, in the early downs, just because if you, you know, if you can play blanket coverage on those early downs and get pressure, then you know, you start to get, if you take a sack or whatever, you know, start getting second and 15s and stuff, really get behind the sticks is uh, problematic. So, I mean, it's the reason that they want to do that. But, yeah, they the Seattle has to have Russell Wilson have a fantastic game and, you know, just be the, the quarterback that the team wants, you know, him to be. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... They do, more often than not, they live and die by Russell Wilson making some ridiculous play. You got to get them going if you're Seattle and you want to win this game. And honestly... Their offensive line is garbage. Yeah, it hasn't been great. And so, you know, you're talking the Eagles getting up early or, you know, going into the fourth quarter, like plays into Seattle's favor because then you got to play catch up. And it's one of the things that Russell Wilson does better than almost everybody else in the league. So, honestly, I wouldn't want to see that because if it's a a less than a touchdown game coming down, you know, under five minutes, like that's, you don't want to, you know, start the Russell Wilson show in those situations. Yeah, so Eagles 63, Seattle nothing. Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) That would be something. We'd have a whole lot to talk about if that's the case. Jesus, yes, we would. All right. Seattle, coming to the Eagles. We'll talk about that a small amount more when we get to the pick'em. But we have another NFC game Sunday, 1 o'clock. The Vikings are going to Nolens. It's too bad we don't have Mr. Chris here to talk about the Saints. But, Soup, I got to ask, you nervous? You know, if if ever there was a situation, you know, because if the Vikings were to win this game at New Orleans, um, being the sixth seed, they would then, by default, be going to play San Francisco. Um, If ever there was a time in history where the Vikings played the Saints in the first round and won the game and then went to San Francisco and then won the game. Oh, wait, 1987. It did happen. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so back in 87, it was still a 16-week season. The Vikings finished the season 8-7 and seven back when they were still part of the NFC Central. Uh, they finished second in the, uh, in the division that year. But yeah, started uh, first week of the playoffs in the wildcard round playing New Orleans. Uh, they smoked New Orleans, too was like 44 to 6 or something like that and then they went into San Francisco playing at that time the Joe Montana led 
49ers, knocked Montana out of the game. Some young guy by the name of Steve Young came in to replace him, too. But that was a barn burner of a game, and they wound up winning that game, went on to the NFC Championship that year to play the Washington football team, who they lost to, and Washington went on to win the Super Bowl. Hey, you know, crazier things have happened. An 8-7 and seven team getting to uh, the NFC Championship, so... People want to say, oh, I mean, it's the Saints, and they should have had a bye, and they're a better team than the Vikings. Well, a team like the Patriots lost to the Dolphins last week, so just saying. Things happen. Things do happen. Am I nervous? Well, of course I am. It's a playoff game. Do I think that the Vikings have a chance? Playoff? For for sure. I definitely think that there is that opportunity there for the Vikings to go into New Orleans and get a victory. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> the Saints aren't a team that turns the ball over a lot. Uh, I believe they were like second to second to last in turnovers uh, in the league this year. Like your biggest thing to do as a team is, especially on defense, you got to cover and you got to allow the coverage to give time to the line. Uh, to get pressure on Drew Brees. That's really, you know, the biggest thing uh, for them on defense because you're going to have Xavier Rhodes covering Michael Thomas. That's going to be a rough matchup. Yep. <laughs> you know, again, a team that does stop the run pretty well. So, looking, Alvin Kamara, you're going to try to slow him down. I mean, there is tons of weapons on this offense. You can just go down the roster. I could go through them all, but it's not going to be, yeah, not going to be an easy task. Uh, it looks like Zimmer said today in a press conference that uh, Dalvin Cook is quote-unquote at full strength with his shoulder, full participant in practice. That's good. I like to hear that because this offense is a completely different monster with him in the game. No kidding. But, and they need him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a real test. You know, even on defense, the Saints have guys like Cameron Jordan who can just wreak havoc. And we saw how the offensive line performed in the Green Bay game a couple weeks ago. You can't have another one of those games or else, you know, <laughs> this is just going to be a runaway for, for the Saints. Seven first downs, don't do that again. That's just cannot happen whatsoever. Looking right now, chances to win the Super Bowl. Minnesota Vikings, 2% chance. <laughs> so you're saying there is a chance. Don't you yeah. laugh, because the Eagles are at 1%. <laughs> That's a half What's a even percent better? more than I would have given them. <laughs> What's even better, the Seahawks, the team that you guys are playing, are less than 1%. So it doesn't give an actual percentage, just says less than 1%. Um, yeah. But even this ranking, the FPI, says the Saints have a 7% chance. So they have a 5% chance greater than the Vikings. So that right there tells me that this game is a lot closer than most people think. Um, definitely closer than what the line has been predicting so far. I do think that, you know, <laughs> the Vikings haven't played, you know, phenomenally down the stretch. But them having this week 17 to rest guys, 
where you know, you know, <laughs> this isn't a rest situation where you're like, we got to buy, you know, we we got home field advantage. This was just a, we got the sixth seed locked up. We can't and get we can't any get any better. <laughs> we can't get any worse. So, you know, just let's take a week, get everybody healthy, get everybody right. And, you know, hopefully it, it makes a difference. But, yeah, I, I mean, I just hope this game is competitive. I don't want to see, you know, one team or the other just walk all over the other team. Yeah. Um, Somebody win it in the last few minutes. Yeah, I like, even if it's, you know, somebody... Uh, like I, I, if if the Saints were up by a touchdown going into halftime, and then that was the final score, you know the Vikings have a chance with the ball in the last couple of minutes, and they go, you know, they lose it on fourth down, then so be it. But I just don't, you know, <laughs> don't want to see like a forty-one to nothing blowout in the playoffs again uh, for yeah. the Vikings. But it's kind of feels like a revenge tour type thing, you know. We're thinking back to the Brett Favre days with the the Bounty Gate, you know, and then the Saints trying to come back from the <laughs> miracle in Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> but here's the one thing: it's in New Orleans, and we know what that means. The refs are out to get the Saints. So again, you you put that in the Vikings' favor, you're gonna see you know a blown call here or there cost the Saints the game. Calling it now. Uh-oh. What if it's a pass interference on the Vikings not called <laughs> and the Vikings win? Like Diggs completely pushes off and goes 80 yards for a touchdown to win it. Yeah. I think that that's another matchup. Uh, I would assume that the Saints are going to match him up with Marshawn Lattimore. So that's that'll be a matchup too to see, you know, which one of those guys can win. That's going to be, oh, it's going to get so chippy between them two. It's going to be fun to watch. You watch, this will be the Thielen revenge game. I'd be okay with that. He's like, yeah, I'm still here too. Remember me? Yeah. Undrafted free agent? It does kind of feel like a lot of people have forgotten about him because of the injury, and he really hasn't done anything since coming back. So yeah, Just because he's had a quiet year, people forget about the talent. It's true. That's why I said, though, you know, these, you know, you you talked about uh, in last week's episode. You don't want to limp into the playoffs. Last time the Saints won the Super Bowl, the only time, the year that they beat the Colts, they lost their last three games of the season. Albeit week seventeen, they sat their starters because again couldn't improve their position in the playoffs. But they did lose the last three weeks. Still won the Super Bowl. So not out of the realm of possibility. You know, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. Anything can happen in the NFL playoffs. I'll tell you that. Because you can go into a game with your backup quarterback being double-digit underdogs and somehow win. I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you said at the top of the show we got a 50% chance of one of our teams going to the Super Bowl with JPP teams. We're going to need some big games <laughs> or we're going to be down to... The Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, one of played. these things is not like the other, and that's the <laughs> Packers that aren't playing this week. Yes, they will be picking their butts on the couch through a straw. <laughs> but there are two more wild card games 
that we did want to bring up this week. Might as well do the whole playoffs, right? Titans. Week 17 win and they are in. They win it out against the Texans who sat everybody. So whatever, they let the Titans in the playoffs. That might bite them later. Titans are going to New England to play the Patriots, who you mentioned lost to the Miami Dolphins in a very important week 17 where they could have secured a bye for themselves. Nope, they are playing wildcard weekend hosting the Titans. Isn't it true that the Patriots have never, haven't won the Super Bowl if they didn't get a bye? I thought I heard that today. That might be true. I, I do know that they have far more success. I think they've only actually ever won one wildcard weekend under Belichick. Like, well, Brady's been there, so. Didn't they lose to Brady I think Sanchez? that's the number. I that could that could be true. I don't know. I the last like the only game that I really remember is uh when they played the Ravens wild card weekend and they just got absolutely torched. Uh so I don't know. They not often that they play wild card weekend. It it's honestly probably been like four or five times in the last twenty years, so um but yeah, you talk about that Dolphins game and boy Patriots fans just must be gesicky over the end of that game, huh? Ah, yes, you did. I know That's his name's great. pronounced gesicky, but it looks like gesicky. <laughs> hey, we'll go with it because yeah. the Patriots have limped into the playoffs. They have what is it, thirteen and three record, whatever it is. I'll tell you what, that team does not look as good as their record states. There's a, quite a few games in there that they could have, should have lost. At least one with the Bills they should have lost. The Patriots are at home, and I think that's the only thing they have going for them. They're going to co- have to come up big on defense because if Derrick Henry gets going, that's it. Patriots are done. I'll t- yeah, we I'll didn't. S- if Derrick Henry rushes for 200 yards, the Patriots lose. Guarantee it. Yeah. Uh we didn't. We're not gonna do any studs or duds this week. But Derrick Henry would have been stud number one for me with 211 yards against the Texans last week to make him the league's leading rusher at 1,540 yards. Uh, I don't know who had him in the pool, but they just want a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a big surprise! But I mean, this is the Titans team that beat the Patriots last year. Or pretty much, you know, other than Tannehill playing quarterback instead of Mariota now, you know, Variable is the coach, extremely familiar with everything the Patriots do. So they have that going for them. And like I said, they they blew out the Patriots last year. I think it was a Sunday night football game, but it wasn't even close. So, you know, they definitely... Looking forward to this game and preparing for this game, you got to think the Titans are just super hyped up and ready to go and are believing that, you know, they can knock the Patriots off and quite possibly shut down, you know, the dynasty as we know it. Um, Who knows what's going to happen moving forward with that team, but, you, you know, you just hope that the Titans don't, get too amped up <laughs> because you can go in there with hope super high. Suddenly the Patriots go out 
and uh, go up 14 nothing on you real quick. And just the crowd takes over and, you know, you start to get unsure and that settles into your mind and things can go awry. But on paper, this game looks like it should be really, really interesting. Ryan Tannehill has just revived his career. I mean, he hasn't been elite Brett Favre in his prime type of takeover, but he's been a positive, steady, consistent presence for that quarterback room. And the team is kind of rallying around him. I'm a big fan of rookie receiver A.J. Brown. I've always been a Corey Davis fan. I mean, they got some weapons. And, of course, the running game is rivaled by very few. Super duper good. Um, AJ Brown is the PFF choice for rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, uh, just based on his grades that they give. Uh, so yeah, he's been he's been terrific. Ryan Tannehill hasn't done anything uh, since he took over as starter for Marcus Mariota, other than just leading the league in quarterback rating. So that's not really that big of a deal. No, but yeah, they they uh. You know, this was a team that I was very high on coming into the season with Mariota as the quarterback. And when Vrabel announced that, you know, they were making the switch, I was like, this could be disastrous, not just for the team, but for him, you know, his job. Because if this goes awry, management's looking at it like, all right, well, we have a franchise quarterback in place. You just benched him and our season went in the toilet, you know. So, see you, bye. Could have easily been the, the scenario, but like, apparently he knew you know exactly what he was doing because this has just panned out beautifully for them. You know, win last week to get them into the playoffs. Some teams kind of helped them along the way by stinking up the joint, you know, late in the season. But, hey, they took care of business when they needed to. Here they are playing the Patriots and, whoo. It's uh, I mean, it's way more interesting than it should be. Like normally, you know, if you get your standard Patriots team, you're just like, oh, okay, Patriots are probably like ten point favorite. They'll win by like two touchdowns and go on and play, you know, whoever next week. I don't know what are they? They're the three seed, so they more than likely play Kansas City next week. They're the three seed, so there's no way. Yeah, they would have to play Kansas City. Yeah. They would have to, yeah. They would have to go to Kansas City. I'm not scared of this Patriots team like I, you know, you would be in the past. Like you've been watching them all year and they're they're nothing to be afraid of, really. Like they have a lot of flaws that they're not used to having. This game could go bad for the Patriots. It really could. Cuz I don't think Tom Brady has the weapons. I mean, he's getting a little older, age whatever, he can still sling it. If he's got nobody to sling it to, and they get down too much, uh-oh. Yeah, I think the biggest issue for the Patriots this year is their lack of a run game. I don't know if it's just because, for me, first and foremost, when I've seen Rex Burkhead play this year, I, I honestly just think to myself, like, why don't they play him more? And I think... They're, you know, in the back of their mind is just the injury bug that has plagued his career that they don't want to lose him. They don't want to be down another guy because, like you said, they're lacking offensive weapons. But he, to me, 
seems to be the spark that the run game needs. And I think that they might have to kind of shy away from giving the the bulk of the load to Sony Michelle and allow uh, Rex Burkhead and James White in the game, you know, using those guys as, you know, runners, receivers, because, you know, Burkhead, much better runner, can still, you know, play in the pass game. But James White has been, you know, the premier back um, in the pass game. And so, you know, those two guys, to me, are going to be the ones that make the difference. Uh, if this offense can find a way to kind of get away from what they have been doing, which has just been struggling for the most part, but they, they're going to need, you know, a pretty good offensive performance in this game uh, in order to pull out the victory. Looks like the last game, which these AFC games are actually on Saturday, so we kind of did it backwards, but the Bills yeah, at the Texans, the fighting Josh Allens in the year in which Buffalo had more wins than the Philadelphia Eagles, said no one ever, except it's true. The Bills are the five seed, and the Texans are the Texans. They lose games they shouldn't. They win games they shouldn't. And when you think they're out of a game, they come back and play well. I don't know how to read this team. I'm pretty sure I was 0-16 on picking them this year. I don't know. I don't... Like, you have Watson and you have Hopkins and Will Fuller when he's healthy. I don't like them in a matchup against any team in the AFC. Like, I... I don't like how their offensive line plays. I don't like how their defensive line plays. Their secondary can be had. I don't know, man. I don't is know it, how the Texans isn't finished JJ with the Watt record coming they did. back too? Yeah, he was activated. So that's at least a morale boost for the Texans. But like you said, you just don't know how to read the team. And, well, if you want to look back at the Texans' past, uh, especially in the playoffs... They have a tendency just to to blow it and just to look like a team that doesn't belong. So don't want to do it at home. I don't know how many home games they've had recently in the playoffs, but I just feel like every time the Texans are in the playoffs, it's a one-and-done scenario. So uh, Billy O'Brien definitely going to be looking to try and, you know, right the ship, maybe get a win. That would be something, wouldn't it? But this Bills defense is just so stout. So that's going to be the matchup for me. Texans offense versus Bills defense. Ken Deshaun Watson and Hopkins and Stills. You know, find a way to carve up the secondary because, you know, well, first of all, you got to buy time for your quarterback. So that could be troublesome too. Kind of a Swiss cheese offense at time, or offensive line at times. Oh yeah, super yeah, bad. That's that, that's going to be the the biggest difference is can you buy time for Watson to make plays down the field? Um because without that, yeah, we could be looking at like a you know 17 to 3 game where the Bills just control the clock the whole game. Get that run game going. Josh Allen doesn't make any mistakes in this game. I think the Bills are going to crush him. And by crush him, I mean first one to 20 wins. The Bills' yeah, defense is pretty um, good. Like then they're very, oh, very good. They're off. Uh, excuse me. Defensive line is a force. They could make Deshaun Watson's life a living hell. He won't have time to let those, you know, long deep crossing routes, deep whatever, 
down the field. He won't have time to let them develop. They're going to have to get very creative with chipping and leave, you know, extra linemen, tight end, whatever, keeping somebody in, a back who can block. If they want to take their shots to Hopkins, they're going to have to get creative because the Bills are going to bring it and bring it all day. This game, I think out of the four, obviously I'm, I'm super excited to watch the Eagles play, but like this matchup really intrigues me. I hate that we're working because I really wanted to see this live. I just have a good feeling oh, that yeah. this, like, this is going to set up some pretty interesting because the Bills would go to Baltimore and they played to the brink the first time. So that could make some yep. intriguing matchups here in the next round. Without a doubt. And you mentioned uh, Josh Allen before, you know, young quarterback. This is going to be his first playoff start. So, like, that, that offense, you know, is going to going to live and die really by you know his decision making so yeah time for the young man to kind of grow up a little bit and you know show the show league what he's worth i think uh a lot of people are surprised by you know the way that buffalo you know went through this season and, and some of the teams they played you know patriots twice to really close games baltimore a really close game and they always say, you know, defense wins championships, and this is one of the best ones in the league. So, and they've been, you know, consistent throughout the year too. They didn't play a bunch of bad teams. Well, they did play a bunch of bad teams, but they didn't play bad teams and look really good, and then play some good teams and look mediocre to bad. They still played those really good teams really hard and really well. So, yeah, this is a this is a team that could just throw a wrench in the AFC. And just, you know, turn the whole thing upside down and, you know, suddenly you get in a situation where wouldn't it be funny to see the Bills playing the Chiefs or something like that in the NFC or the AFC, AFC Championship? Jesus. Yeah. I, I yeah, heard the Bills uh, hosting the Titans for the AFC Championship game. Right. Like, uh, I heard somebody say, I swear to God. If the Super Bowl ends up being the Chiefs versus the Packers, he's like, I'm calling it now. The NFL is rigged in season 100. You got the, the Chiefs and the Packers, which was Super Bowl one. They're like, I'm done if that happens. <laughs> God forbid that two really good football teams play each other in the Super Bowl. It would just really be weird and talk about the Packers. But ah, yes, they yeah. did. All right, Soupy Doopy. Put your uh, put your tinfoil hat on for that one, but. Yeah. That would be a really bizarre coincidence. Well, we talked about the four wild card weekend games. What do you say we get to the pick'em? Playoff pick'em, baby. Playoff pick'em one. Playoff pick'em, baby. Who is gonna make a run? Playoff pick'em, baby. Playoff pick'em one. Playoff pick'em, baby. Who is gonna make a run? Playoff pick'em, baby. Who is gonna make a run? All right, super doopy 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 doopy. Before we get into picking these playoff games, I think it's time we do a little housekeeping. Wrap up the 2019 pick'em season. Just real quick, Bears at Vikings. Vikings were minus one, 36 and a half over under. It was Bears over. 
Then there was Packers at Lions. Packers, 12 and a half. I knew that was too much. 43 over under. Lions under. Eagles at Giants. Eagles, four and a half. 45 over under. Correct answer was Eagles over. In the 1849ers and the Seahawks, Niners, three and a half. 47 over under. Niners under was the correct answer. It's a good thing. And after Seattle all just- that. Good thing Seattle puked and shit all over themselves down on the goal line, too. Again. Marshawn, like, what do I got to do to get the ball down here? (laughs) Anyways. After all those four games, we go to the judges in second place with 80 points for the 2019 season. Super sticky, Steve Knox. What a great comeback, Steve. You did finish in second place. At 80 points. All I had to do was pick the opposite of everybody else. It was a pretty easy game. It's a good game plan moving into next year. (laughs) You're probably wondering why I started with second place. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a three-way tie for first place between Steven, the public, and myself. We all finished the year with 81 points. I don't know how this is even possible, but we all tied. Except for Steve, who was one point back. Who, Steve, you did mention in when we were talking before we started tonight, off air, as they would say. You did say I should take the Bears over the Vikings. And if you had done that, I you would have won. You would have had 82 points instead of 80. <sighs> what a crazy... If you would have come back and won after being... You know, in the cellar all year. That would have been insane. <laughs> that would have been insane. Uh, so, perfect scenario, 17 weeks. These four games that we've been picking, an impossibility. You get three points for each game. That's a total of 204 points. <laughs> so, you guys with 81 um, correctly picked just under 40% of the games. So... Against the spread is rough. Tough. Very tough. But that's the betting life. You lose more than you win. All right, let's get to the pick'em for wildcard weekend. We'll start in the AFC. Titans at Patriots. The Patriots, four and a half. Point favorite. The over-under is 44. This, for the playoffs, we're just going to do... This isn't a point thing. This is just us picking the games because we cannot get public data because the thing we use is shut down for just the, uh, they just use it for the regular season. So Steven is sick and in bed and has not sent me his picks yet, but I will enter them when I get them. I guess it doesn't matter. He's going to take a team and they will probably do the opposite. Just kidding, Steven. All right, Steve. Titans-Patriots. Well, Patriots are my Super Bowl pick, so can't bet against them. I'm going to pick the Patriots. I should know better, but I'm going to pick the Titans. And at 44, I'm going to actually take the under, because I think this is a 20-17 to type of game. You're welcome, Mr. Breton, if you're listening. Going with your Titans. (laughs) Tighten up! Yeah, I think that, you know, we're looking at a scenario 
here in this game where you have a much higher percentage chance that the team playing the Patriots in Foxborough at Gillette uh, coming in and beating them for the first time in, well, like 20 years. Definitely, uh, definitely a possibility. Crazy. Could be the, I, the yeah. end of an error. They're, they're built to beat that Patriots team, so it'll be interesting to see if they can go out there and execute it. All right, then. Bills at Texans. Texans are a three-point home favorite. 43.5 over under. And I kind of alluded to it earlier. I like the Bills in this game. I'm expecting the Titans to lay a nice big shit burger. We're going to go Bills <laughs> and under for me. Yeah, I I have to agree wholeheartedly. Um, I said before, you know, the way that the Texans have performed in their history uh, in the playoffs, it's just not been great. And I believe that this Bills defense is one of the best ones we've ever seen. And, you know, early on in the season, people coined the the Patriots as the boogeyman. And, you know, they were one of those elite defenses, you know, like the 85 Bears and kind of pittered out a little bit towards the end of the season. But I do think that this Bills defense could rival some of those great defenses of all time. So I would expect the Bills defense to be the difference in this game. Again, under, it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. Um, but, yeah, I like the Bills. It's gonna be, that's, that's really weird to say in the playoffs. Yeah, in January. It hasn't been right. since the 90s when they went to four straight Super Bowls. Lost Didn't them all. Fucking one of them. <laughs> all right, next one up is the first JPP playoff game of the weekend. This is the Sunday 1 o'clock game. The Vikings are going to New Orleans. New Orleans, eight-point favorite. Over-under is 49-and-a-half. This is your game. I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, since we're picking against the spread, I don't think the Vikings are going to lose by eight. I'll say that much. Do I think that the Vikings are going to win? Well, I have to believe in the Vikings. And I do think that this is a team that, if healthy, can, you know, go out there and get the job done. And you said it uh, this past week, you know, if the Saints are playing, you bet the over. So I'm going to say Vikings over. You know, I'm going to do my little Mother Mary Joseph, Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's hope the Vikings can find a way to get the outright victory, but if we're going against the spread, I say Vikings, I say over. Man, I look at this game right now, and I'm thinking to myself, you know when you're, like, younger and you're hanging out with your best friend, everything's great, and you start dating this girl, and then they, you know, they don't like each other for a weekend because their teams <laughs> are playing each other, and you're just like... Well, who do I piss off? I got to sleep next to her, but that's my boy. Man. <laughs> like, I, I want both these teams to win. <laughs> you both go to the next round. The Eagles and the Seahawks are just eliminated. 
No, I'm just kidding. Oh, this is rough. Like, I'm going to leg legitimately watch this game and not know the which result of the play I should root for. <laughs> should I root for the touchdown or should I be pissed that they scored? I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I'm going to pick the Saints and the over. And that is not a pandering to my wife. I just think Drew Brees is uh, going to go out guns a-blazing. And it's the Saints, so you have to take the over. We'll get it for the kids, so. I have a hard time in my gut going, yeah, they'll definitely win by eight. But if I'm going to take them to win, I'm going to take them to cover. Why not? Not like we're getting points for this that we can use at round one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The grand finale wildcard weekend of the Seattle Seahawks are coming to Philadelphia. Born and raised to play the Eagles in one of those football games. Oh. Here we go. Here we go. Seahawks are road favorites. Two and a half point road favorites. Steve, are they really going to do this again? Home dogs. Home dogs. Are you kidding me? Bring back the 45 masks, and a half. boys. 45 and a half over under. Carson's got me believing, man. I think the Eagles can win this game. It was Steve Perry who once said, don't stop believing. I've been doing this for too many weeks. I, I have to go this way for reasons you should understand by now. Seahawks over. Oh, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm picking the Eagles. I think what they've done yeah, these last these last four weeks has just been uh, pretty spectacular. I mean, against some subpar, you know, competition. But then again, I mean, it's the NFL. You know, all these teams have the ability to go out there and play a fantastic game. And the Eagles have had some tough games and had to come through some adversity. And I think it's just made the team that much stronger. And I think that Doug can find a way to, you know, really attack what Seattle doesn't do well on defense. It's the, like the only thing that even makes me question this is the fact that the Seahawks have only lost once on the road all year long. And it was that game against the Rams. But if, if anything else, that's tape to show you, you know, what you can and can't do against that team. So, yeah, I think that Doug's going to have this team prepared. I think this is a scenario where, as we've seen in Seahawks postseason history recently, this looks like a game that Pete Carroll just overthinks and overevaluates and puts his team in a bad situation. So I'm going to say Eagles and over. My man. I think that's one thing we don't, usually talk about on our podcast is what like what a difference like the coaches are in these type of games like the fact that 
you know, the Eagles have the advantage when it comes to the coach can be very critical on fourth downs late in the game, early in the game. Like Pete Carroll is just such a by the book nonsensical coach. Like he does. I don't even know if he can spell analytics. I can't. <laughs> Analytics. I don't know. Something like that. The point that. I'm trying to make is the Eagles have the advantage when it comes to coaching in this game because if there's anything we've learned the past four years, trust Doug. In game, we might be going, what the hell are you thinking? But, you know, when you see that same play three quarters later, and they made that adjustment, it breaks for a 40-yard run, then you're like, oh, okay. You got it, Doug. I absolutely think the Eagles can steal this game. I'm not confident they're going to go out and win, but I think they can. And I think if they just play the way they've played the last few weeks, on both sides of the ball, not just Carson and the wide receivers, Fucking yawn, guy. Wood over there or what? Jesus. That yawn was killing me. <laughs> we just got to score points and then be in the lead with more points than the other team when the clock hits zero. Yeah, I mean. Thank you, Booger. Yeah. <laughs> well, you look at these uh, teams here in the playoff mix, and I think two of them are probably going to end up playing in the Super Bowl. Back to you, Tess. You talk about, uh, you know, the Doug situation. I mean, I I have seen firsthand, you go back to the NFC Championship a couple of years ago, you know, Vikings go into Philly, you know, the first offensive possession for the Vikings, they just look like they were a hot knife through butter, just go straight down the field, score a touchdown. And I'm like, all right, well, we're in for one competitive game. And then... The defense allowed absolutely nothing the rest of the game. So this is a, it could be the same sort of situation. You know, maybe the Eagle, you know, the Seahawks come out and have a hot start and the Eagles are able to make adjustments to, you know, what they're doing and just shut them down. So I don't know. I I love these situations where I talk to people and say something positive about the Eagles, and they're like, ah, they don't stand a chance. It's like, you, know, you can't say that about a team in the playoffs. Because if you're playing on Wild Card Weekend, well, you, you know, there's another team in the Patriots. You can't say that about a team like that. Look, you won the division. You're here for a reason. Like, anything is possible, to quote the great Kevin Garnett. So... You never say never, to quote Justin Bieber. I mean, I can go on and on with these if I wanted to, but we only have so much time here. Point is, play to win the game. Quote the great Herm Edwards. And you, if you are still listening to this podcast, you have won. You are the lucky winner of your time back to you. (laughs) sorry it took so long but we got through it we're at the end we're ready for some playoff football 
JPP teams getting ready to fire up. Hopefully we have three more games to preview next week. Three teams in two games. One of us is going to end up playing one of them. two games, but... Yeah. Like a pervert on Sherbert, Ooh, we'll be yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you know boy. what, Soup? Uh, if people are listening and they want to tweet at us, they can do it at Joint Practices. Say something really funny or stupid or humorous or just an emoji. Just pick a random emoji, like one of those country flags. You don't know where it is. Send us one of those oh, at Joint Practices. Hit me up at 11 the goat Steve's at the knock says And if you could do us a small favor And just tweet at Stephen JPP And just uh, Picture of a sock puppet Yeah Send Stephen pictures of sock puppets Don't tell him why <laughs> Oh man Let's see uh, If you're listening on Apple Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Blueberry. They may be looking to switch platforms. That's where we're at. You can check us out on all of those platforms. Um, this week, you can send us a tweet with the hashtag EarthPeople, which is all of us, I guess. <laughs> uh, that lets us know that you're listening. And we'd like to hear from anybody who thinks who's going to win uh, wild card weekend. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? What do you think the Super Bowl matchup is going to be? We'd love to hear from anyone uh, talking football. Uh, here, here's a uh, quick thing I wanted to bring up. Oh, no. I mean, you must remember years ago, the Cleveland Browns packed up shop, moved on east to Baltimore. Yeah, became the Baltimore Ravens. And then a few years later, totally. the NFL the NFL kind of resurrected the Cleveland Browns. Remember that? I do. Well, since that time, um, the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm bringing this up because they're the number one seed uh, in the AFC. And since... Cleveland moved to Baltimore and then was resurrected again as the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have 15 postseason victories, including two Super Bowls. The Cleveland Browns, since then, one playoff appearance since 1999. So, they probably shouldn't have moved from Cleveland and Maybe we could be talking about some winners. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I mean, good for Baltimore, I guess, but yeah, it feels like a big swing and a miss uh, for Cleveland fans. I mean, fans didn't really have any say in it, I guess, but it sucks to be them. Especially on pizza night. Especially since they could be rooting for Lamar Jackson instead of, uh, well, they don't have a head coach anymore because they fired Freddie Kitchens and, and John Dorsey. Uh, John Dorsey and the guy and who sold the, popcorn. You know, John Dorsey and the rest of the management agreed to part ways, which was probably just a, hey, you want to resign? No, okay, we're gonna fire you. Oh, you want to resign? Okay, we'll let you walk. 
They fired sure him because he wouldn't take down. a reduced role. And I think it's stupid because the moves that he made this uh, season were fantastic for the team. They just didn't pan out because well, you can't just throw a bunch of personalities together and think it's all going to work out year one. I don't know. Some of these teams just, they feel like, I mean, Cleveland's ownership is like way too impatient, <laughs> first and foremost. We've seen it time and time again. How many quarterbacks have they had in the last 20, 21 years? Too many? At least 11. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to see some uh, really weird things that are going to happen this offseason, I feel like. But we ain't there yet. We're ready. We're on the road to the Super Bowl, baby. You didn't say baby that much this episode. I thought you were going to say baby. Hey, baby. I thought it was too. <laughs> I planned on screaming and yelling and being super excited too, and then I remembered everybody's sleeping. My bad, guys. But one last thing before we go. If you don't want to listen anymore, you don't have to, but I'm going to tell Steve this. Fuck Pat Shermer. Dude, that douchebag... I forgot to bring this up talking about the game. They're down by three scores, and the Eagles are kneeling the ball under a minute, and this asshole is calling his timeouts. Yeah. He got this, fired, by the way, so. Yeah, good. Fucking see you later, because that, that extended the game to that the Eagles had to play one more series on defense. And the last play of the game, Deshaun Hall tears his fucking ACL out for the year. So that's all because Pat Shermer is a classless fuck. And uh, enjoy unemployment. Waffles, one, two, three. Speaking of classless fucks, how is Jason Garrett still employed? <laughs> Every day I look for that update and it's like, well, they had he's another having, meeting. He's having another meeting tomorrow with Jerry Jones. This is going to be the third meeting this week. How much is there to discuss? He made it painfully clear like okay so middle of the season he said well yeah Jason Garrett will be our coach in 2020 and then from there to the end of the season it just slowly declined to you know I'm not impressed this isn't the kind of success I wanted our team to have I thought we'd be better than this given the talent we have albeit their defense regressed tremendously this year but I don't understand like, where is the tough decision in all of this? Is it because Jason Garrett's dad used to be a scout for the Cowboys? Because he used to be the quarterback? Because he allows Jerry Jones to run the team and he just coaches? Because there's... there. I mean, you went 8-8. Eight eight. <laughs> you look at the, the offense that they have. Holy shit, they should be so much better than that. It just it baffles me that people even have to think about these things. Ugh. Get all riled up at the end of the episode. Good job. <laughs> I can rile you up at the end. Uh, Welcome, Sam. <laughs> hey, it's playoff football, so fly goes fly. It's gold Vikings. Please beat the Saints. His name is my name, too. <laughs>
Sometimes you fight, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you wish you were in a boat. <laughs> you want to get a catfish. You want to get a goat's milk. With alligator gumdrops playing you a tum trapping bing bing bill. You will fight at the Kumite.